0: Behind every great design, behind every great collection, there is a narrative. Try to get to know the narrative of that designer. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to You Have to Wear Something. It's me, Nicole Briggs, your host, still. And if you're racist, you have many, many options and ways to express your hate, whether it's a swastika on your arm, an all-white robe with a pointy hood, or a current fave, the MAGA hat. Racism has a look, a style, an attire, a wardrobe, if you will, and sometimes it's subtle, like the polos and the khakis of the Charlottesville March. Things got even more confusing in the late 80s and 90s with the rise of skinheads. And yeah, I know y'all forgot about that vintage bigot, the skinhead, but it's a lot more complicated than it seems. Today is a special day because I have a wonderful woman on the show. Her name is Tammy Woods. She is from Portland. She's in Portland. And we're going to talk about all of that madness as well. Uh, (laughs) Welcome to the show, Tammy.
1: Thank you for having me. It's lovely to be here.
0: Yay. Okay. So we're going to keep it super 100. We're going to talk all things, you know, Portland and fuck Trump and you know. Fuck Trump indeed. Fuck yes. Trump indeed. Yes let's just start off on a high note. <laughs> um, there's nothing more to say. Um, How are you doing first off with everything that's going on being there in the center of it?
1: It is um, it's pretty surreal. It's it's easy to forget at times. I don't want to say it's easy to forget it's happening. That's not that's not accurate but you know, I live about seven minutes from downtown, um, right on the other side of the river, super close in. And you can walk around at night and you, it's peaceful until, you know, you hear the helicopters is overhead. Um, but it's very surreal to then get on Twitter, um, Instagram, see the live feeds of what's happening. Literally, you know, seven minute drive from my house um, with the protests and stuff. And it's scary. It's scary um, to be living in what's, you know, a police state and wondering if one of my friends is going to be the next person who's whisked off the street by someone in camouflage and shoved in a van. I have a lot of friends who are protesting. You know, the protests are up to about 2000 people a night, Um, mostly all.
0: mostly always peaceful i don't know if you've seen the wall of moms um i mean one woman was pregnant i think there was more than one pregnant woman that was crazy yeah
1: yeah i'm not sure that if i was a pregnant woman i would be going out to protest right now um you know the first couple nights all the moms got tear gassed um but the wall of moms yeah it's so oh it's super fucked up um but the numbers are growing exponentially every night, and uh last night the dads joined in, and they brought their leaf blowers to blow away the tear gas so Portland's pretty rad um we are not we're not giving up, and i'm you know i'm proud of it
0: what i what I really love and admire about Portland um is your ability to mobilize the community to decide on something and form a consensus and then execute on that idea that I, that I really loved. I mean, it's one of the greenest places in America. (laughs) Um, They get their energy in one of the cleanest ways. I only know that from working for fucktard Elon Musk at Tesla. (laughs) And um, you know, when they decide they want to take, you know, Lift instead of Uber, they do. If they, you want to cancel straws, you cancel straws. Like, I, I yeah. love it. And, and you feel it. When you walk around, it's really green. It's beautiful. Like, the trees are on 10. Everyone is just, everyone is committed to a, a, a better life, regardless of class. Would you say Abs- so?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, this, I think this, um, the Black Lives Matter movement, yeah, you know, we the protest started because we didn't stop. I I'm sorry. The the what's happening now, the occupation started because we didn't stop. I think we're at day fifty four now of the Black Lives Matter protests. Um and they're only getting bigger. Like it's having the exact opposite uh effect that Trump and his administration and the fucking department of Homeland Services and, and everybody else hoped, you know, we're not, this is not going to be what stops the protest here in Portland. If anything, like Portland, Portlanders have a very short attention span and I think that's common of the world now when you look at like Instagram, everything is in instant gratification. We've got our phones on us all the time, all the things. Um Portlanders usually get bored of things uh, within about two weeks' time, maybe less. We get irrationally annoyed with something, and we jump all over it. And then two days later, we're irrationally annoyed by something else. Um, So it's been really, really wonderful and um, heartwarming, which is a weird choice of words. But, you know, I have COVID brain these days, so, so I'm not really good with words. Um, but it's been really special to see this city not get bored of Black Lives Matter not, and, and only become more educated and only become more involved and um, more engaged in, in doing the right thing and in changing lives and coming together as a community.
0: Now, this is you have to wear something. So I always talk about the attire because there's always a lot behind that. When you said your friends possibly being whisked away in a guy, in camouflage, when you see those federal troops, you know what time it is. They've got the camouflage on. they got the gear on. They look like they're in fucking Halo or whatever. Uh-huh. And, you know, to that's intimidating. They know that they're invoking fear. They know that they're not talking. They're no, they know that yeah. no communication and not asking for IDs and things like that are going to you know make you uncomfortable and make you submit you know i mean they're armed to they're armed like it's afghanistan you know and so i want to talk about that type of expression and i want to get into a little bit since you're a native and i'm glad you're a native because you you've been there and you've left and you've come back yeah and you know although it's day 54 of the black lives matter movement and protests and demonstrations Portland is very white. Oh, yeah. And Portland has not always been this um, liberal heaven. You know, it used to be a little bit more white supremacist. Is that correct? I don't want to speak about your hometown (laughs) incorrectly. No,
1: no. Um, Yeah, you know, I would say that we've... um, Portlanders would have always considered themselves liberal. Um, however, um, they would have used... Let's see, how do I want to say this? Um, Those have been, been liberal. But also, Portland has a terrible background... Uh, history of racism. Um, and I think... So when you say liberal, yeah, the liberals shouldn't also be racist, but, you know, let's face it, they are. Um, and I think that a lot of that stemmed from just unawareness. Um, you know, I never heard anything about or Portland being racist until 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 15. Oh, wow. And why do, yeah. you,
0: why do you think that is, Tammy?
1: it's just whitewashing. It's, it's ugly. Um, we are liberal. We want to think that we're better than a lot of people. Um,
0: that <laughs> what does we... better mean? Better.
1: <laughs> so like,
0: like you all, you, you all definitely know how to, eat and drink like the food is phenomenal the the liquor is phenomenal i mean the presentation everything that portlandia makes fun of is true like the egg the farm (laughs) where it came from the sourcing farm to table like absolutely that's y'all shit like i respect it i i had nothing and i'll be honest with you i was treated very well one of the best bosses i ever had breed mckean shout out to evelyn and bobby um was um a great boss, a liberal boss. You were amazing. Like, you could probably give a class on how to just be a natural ally, not make it feel so fucking forced. Uh, Thank you. Tammy uh, and I worked together uh, in this, like, female forward collective, I'll say. And, um, you know, when you see, first of all, when you see another woman, a nice little trick for me to kind of get my insecurities together was when you see another woman, that's a sister. And I think that's a good way to start because women are are taught to compete with each other and treat each other. That's how we end up with these, like the wing and all these places, reformation where it's female led and there's some good missions, but it's, it's toxic. So right off the bat, Tammy, and it's going to seem very simple and easy, but Tammy treated me like a human being. Shocker. Um, just normal, get to know your shit, which developed into a friendship. And um, she doesn't have to live, you know, she doesn't have to put kente cloth on or live in, all black, <laughs> live in an all-black neighborhood for, for that to happen. You know, you could just be a, a good human being. You know, that's the, that's the first step. Um, before you begin with the gestures now do you recall the first time in Portland and speaking of the past mm-hmm. when you heard about what they were called this article came out it was called skinhead city
1: yeah so um when I was in um high school so I went to a uh, a wealthy high school out in the suburbs. Um, My family wasn't particularly, I shouldn't say particularly wealthy because we weren't wealthy at all. Um, Very middle class um, but our parking lot, you know, the parking lot was full of BMWs and cool Broncos and like all the things. Um, So, but when my classmates were going up into the hills to have Kegers, I was going downtown to an underage um, new wave goth dance club with my best friend, Katie. Um, And that was, I think that was the time that I started hearing about the skinheads. Um, There was a tall black street kid named Iron who used to, he was regular at the club. He was regular downtown. He knew the cops, um, everything like that. But I remember him, you know, at some point coming in saying the fucking skinheads are here. And I looked around with no awareness of like, you know, you hear about the skinheads, I guess, periodically. Um, but the the common denominator between the skinheads and the some of the kids who came to club the clubs was that British fashion that was happening at about the same time with combat boots and the rolled up jeans and the white t-shirt and the bomber jacket and the buzz short buzz hair. Um
0: yeah, you've got like Doc Martens and mm-hmm. steel toe work boots, army boots, suspenders, um high-rise jeans Yeah, uh, you know all of that. Sometimes a lot of army surplus. Absolutely. Or um, worker, you know, uh factory wear, things like that.
1: Yeah, so I think when I picture that look, I think of Jimmy Somerville, um from Bronski Beat, from the Communards, um from Yaz who had that look at the time. And, you know, I had a group of friends who I ran around with, we called them the Vespa boys, because they all drove Vespas, and they were all really cute and kind of hot. But a handful of them had that look. And so I think that was the first, you know, I didn't connect it. But because, because my friends had that look, um, I didn't really take you know, the skinhead thing didn't really sink in as an actual threat to Portland. And also cause iron was going to die before he let some skinheads come into his club. Um, you know, he would, he would throw down. Um, but the skinheads also, we knew that they were in Coeur d'Alene, um, Idaho, and there was a huge bunch of them there. Um, and so for us it was, it was pretty removed. Um, And I would bet that, like, nobody in my high school, because they didn't go downtown. You know, I was raised Mormon, um, but also by Democratic, really pretty liberal parents. Um, So my upbringing wasn't that of mostly anybody else I went to school with. And my best friend's parents freaked out the first and also 12th time I took her downtown.
0: Um, Well, what's messed up is it, you know, it was a British punk thing, and it started out as a working class thing, and it didn't start racist. Uh-huh. You know, like, racist co-opted khakis. They, they, you know, khakis don't come from <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They, they, they fucking co-opted khakis and made that shit racist, you know? So, so it was like working class, and, and actually like, people in Jamaica, and a, a lot of people were wearing that shaved head you know worker style and then you know just how. I mean I even had combat
1: boots yeah I even had combat boots and rolled up jeans and white t-shirts um
0: well yeah we're talking about the 90s and we're talking about like Rhythm Nation Janet Jackson absolutely one of my favorite concerts concerts ever yeah Uh like everybody is wearing like a pilot jacket and Doc Martens and, you know, everyone's channeling Daria and uh, listening to Grunge and Kurt Cobain, whatever, you know, whatever version of that was early 90s to late 90s, because there was what's messed up and confusing about skinheads is there's a far right and a far left ideology. Yeah. And so you have the ones that are getting like the tattoos, 88 HH, which is like hail Hitler. Mm-hmm. And then you have the other, you know, so you have white power ones and I'll tell y'all the way that you can kind of know is outside of this tattoo. You don't want to get that close sometimes, but a lot of times in your boots, you know, the far left will wear like white laces and the far right will wear red laces to signify that they've their race has bled for their country Mm. it's a very nationalist thing and for some reason red is like a huge racist color with like nazis and maga and you know it just red just keeps coming up republican unfortunately you know sorry but it is what it is you know so just something about the color red and its relation to blood and this whole pure blood thing which is a fucking joke because no one is pure you know um, it, it's just really really interesting to me but yeah it was like a cool look it was like fashionable
1: yeah yeah um, I just had when you said whoa, when you were talking about the red laces had a, uh, a visual like went back in time real quick looking at somebody's combat boots with red laces And just being like, huh, I'm going on. And I wonder, and and now I'm like, who was that person? And was that actually that racist stuff? Wow. Okay.
0: Snapping back now. It's little things they do to differentiate themselves. And now, and then it goes away and it comes back. And and that's how things spread when they come at a tipping point. So then it spreads Scandinavia, Netherlands, West Germany, Austria, United States, you know. In Germany, when the wall first came down, it was like this celebration of freedom, and then it was liberal, and then, of course, that Nazi shit like seep, you know, seeped in, and you know, mm-hmm. it, it's messed up how how things become so extreme, and um, I, and even going further back, like a hundred years, this is before everyone's time, there were legislation and. Portland to ban Black people from from living there. Yep, uh, constitutionally, you know, and so um, and we're talking of going all the way back to you know World War II and then leading up to Jim Crow. Mm-hmm. So you know the um, redlining, yeah, yeah, we've, redlining. And we've done it all. They couldn't vote.
1: Black people couldn't vote. Yeah, it's um, you know, going back to what I was saying. It was for as as liberal as we like to think we are um, you know, we've been extremely racist and it's, it's something that people are still learning all the time. Um, my friend just educated Katie, who I used to run around with downtown when we were in high school. Um, she was just educating a Trump voter on redlining um, Wait, this is, this is
0: someone who's currently still, even after coronavirus death, still voting for Trump? Yep. Yeah. That, that I don't get. Like, oh, I, no. <laughs> I, I, that that's the part I don't get. Like, Tammy, like, Tammy, how do you, you always seem to, like, make sense to me. Even when we were we'll be in meetings together, you ask the proper questions. I'm like, that lady is logical. Um, <laughs> like, how do you what is it really about? Cause it's not that he's the best leader with the best policy. Is it really just old fashioned? Like he's white, he's for whiteness. He's for us. What is it? Because I'm I'm not going to be present at those conversations. You
1: know, I think, um, I, I have a hard time with the conversations as well. In fact, I came into, uh, um, I've, friend who has been a, a good con- consistent friend for the last eight years and um this last six months has probably destroyed our friendship going forward. Um just just seeing who he has what he's aligned himself. He didn't vote for Trump um in the last election or at least he told me he didn't. Um but I have really seen His rate, this racist side of him, which I didn't know existed because, you know, we see each other in real life probably once a year. He lives in another state. Um, He's lived, I think, in four or five different states since we met. Um, But one of the things that's come out of the Trump administration in the last couple of years, um, and especially in the last two months with the Black Lives Matter movement, is opening up conversations on people. And and also just people you follow on Instagram. Um, I can't even get on Facebook anymore because I lose my shit within minutes. Um, But uh, I, Nicole, I don't know. Like, I can't, it's hard for me to get into the mindset of somebody. It's It's almost impossible for me to get into the mindset of somebody who would still vote for Trump because it is so beyond it is so beyond any kind of place that my brain can go. Um, and I think some of it, some of it's, yeah, he's, he's a white man. He's a racist. He's, um, shutting down immigration. Like basically he's taken the Republican. I, he's as far right wing as they go. Um, I think there's still people who just really just vote down party lines. um, and they were they grew up Republican and they're just gonna vote Republican. Um, I heard somebody say, I saw somebody say that on, I think Facebook. And then I was like, I, I can never get on Facebook again, and I can never unsee that this person I said know. that.
0: I know. Fuck. They, you will. The online will have you so pissed. Like, yeah, like online, you just have to take breaks. It, it's so much going on. I mean this year is a shit show but this year is a gift because opening your eyes to mm-hmm. you know your real conscious and unconscious biases and you're not as liberal and woke as you fucking thought you were yeah and um you know everyone waking up to all the things that are imminent, like the environment, and policy, and immigration, and Black lives, Uh, you know, nothing about abuse of Black life is surprising for anybody Black, you know, and I had quite a bit of friends who are other, and even friends who define as minority, maybe like Asian, Who's, who are white adjacent, who don't have the experiences that I have because mm-hmm. they're not walking around and not one big darky, you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, you know, like dark people, the dark people of the world are having an experience with law enforcement, you know? Um, and so it's just such a big, bigger problem. And yeah as lovely as my old boss was. I mean, we're talking about a woman who, before the trend had created um, nudes that were brown in her underwear line. Uh, before people were even giving a fuck about, like, Black women and their concerns. Like, Black women were, like, the final, like, the last concern <laughs> on on designers' minds, right? Yeah. So she was doing this, like, back in 2017, 2016, creating, like, shades of nude that match your actual skin tone. Seems like it makes sense, but beige is the dominant color, and it's the color that every single woman in my family before me has ever worn to church and work and so forth, and never once has... Haynes said, "We're gonna make some brown nude stockings, you know, for all the. We're gonna take your money though, but we're not gonna make a product that matches your skin tone." So, and- well, and that's the same with makeup, right? Um, yeah, like I fancy remember reading, and all that.
1: Yeah, yeah, like two years ago. Um, so again, before this, reading um, an article on maybe refinery 29 I don't know one of those um where a handful of black women were trying to find a um a foundation from just a normal line like Neutrogena I don't think it was Neutrogena I think they just went through all these different you know
0: cosmetic lines and Bobby Brown and trying to find a nude
1: that you know a beige or whatever that worked with their skin tone. They're like they're supposed to be able to serve all the colors and none of these work for me. And I think that was, you know, one of that was an eye opening an eye opening thing for me. As a white woman, I can walk into any drugstore and get foundation, get concealer, get whatever that matches my skin with, you know, within about two minutes time.
0: And the um, same with bras. Band-aids. Same with bras, same
1: with every, yeah, my bandit. I have a huge bandit on my hand right now because I burned the fuck out of it last night. Um, but it's essentially the same color as my skin. It's nude. It's supposed to be. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, that was, you know, and that's those little, it's the little things that are now becoming so much more common. Um, that were happening before then that started opening my eyes. Um, You know, I feel like I've been, I've been lucky to have friends like you who have been open as been like, this is my experience. And I'm like, Oh, Holy fuck. Wow. I would have never in a thousand years thought of that. And that's a lot of what's coming out of this movement right now, I think is the opportunity to have these conversations, um, resources that are being shared, people sharing their own personal stories. Um, and and people being willing to listen and, and to sit and listen and not interject themselves, which that's why people are really good at interjecting ourselves into conversations like that where we have no place. Um, but uh, you know, it's it's a lifetime of learning for us. And and I think one of the great things too that's coming out of out of what the Black Lives Matter here in Portland, and and you know, over the last couple of years. Um, to is the acknowledgement of our history here and the acknowledgement of the racism that's occurred and, and still occurs and what we have to do to change that um and I think it's it's really interesting um a good friend of mine also a white woman sent something on twitter yesterday and was uh I don't want you know paraphrasing it because I can't remember exactly what she said but something about um, Would all these eyes be on Portland right now if we weren't a white city? If we weren't so white, would we be getting this kind of attention? Would we be getting national news about what's happening in our city? Like, a is this a form of white privilege?
0: Valid, accurate. Yeah. A totally valid question because, I mean, yeah. <laughs> shit yeah. happens in black communities all the time. And I don't know. I think I was having a conversation years ago with someone and they were, I was like, well, you know, the police plant dro-. they were like, well, it, it was a, it was the same kind of rebuttal of, well, black people aren't complying, you know, they're not mm-hmm. doing, putting their hands up. They're not doing what they're supposed to be doing when they run into the police or the police pull them over. And I'm like, you know, that officers are corrupt and that they, Plant drugs on black men all the time. Like this is a normal practice in Chicago. Um, I I mean I've I have three brothers and and a father and a bunch of uncles. I mean we're pretty male dominant. I call it a male dominant matriarchy because women <laughs> run shit in my family, <laughs> but there's a lot of men in my family. So uh-huh. I've my noticed matriarchy, that. But you know it's really a lot of dudes, and um, I I've seen it from a young age, how they're, first of all, treated differently just because they're black men. It's just like this this pissing contest between the cop and the black man going on, you know, um, when they're confronted. And so, yeah, you're right. It's like, um, there is, when they talk about reparations and things like that in America, and they use Germany, Nazi Germany, as a model on how to, not even fixed but how to begin to um support the black community maybe just help the black community catch up to salaries and home ownership and land ownership and, and and things like that um because we don't have that head start that 400 year head start mm mm-hmm. And the Holocaust was roughly, I mean, he was doing his thing in about 1930, 31. So let's call it a good 15 year run, you know, with Hitler, the damage he did and um, the damage remains today. So if you look at something that really was not even as long of a war as Vietnam, and then you go back to slavery, it's like, wow, it's like, you can understand billions of dollars of reparations paid out. To survivors and descendants of Holocaust survivors, you can understand the monuments. You can understand. I think, like daily, there's a moment of silence in Germany. I, I mean, there are so many things done and still working on it. They basically what Angela Merkel said was it's a it's a constant um, effort to make things right, to apologize for the Holocaust, to to support, you know, our Jewish citizens. Uh-huh. And, and and you look at all the, like, it was centuries of, of slavery. And so it's just, people are saying, well, that was like a long time ago. Not even taking responsibility for the work that needs to be done. I feel like every day we're alive, we keep sweeping the issue of how this country came to be under the rug. yeah, And it's like, it's not going away. <laughs> it's not going the fuck away John Lewis who just passed he could tell you what it was like (laughs) like he got beat bloody multiple times he got arrested like 60 times or 100 times or whatever so I mean I I, I say all that to say that I'm glad your friend even in that moment in the in the coverage you're getting the press you're getting and a really messed up situation of showing an example of a Trump police state it still has privilege attached to it
1: uh-huh.
0: is is mindful is is really what w- that's that's true true wokeness, you know, knowing that even that is even more than a poor black community would get and um when I was thinking i i I really gave it a thought of moving to portland it it was just so beautiful and it's just so easy to be healthy and nike's there you know like whatever (laughs) columbia or whatever is there you know adidas yeah yeah all these like major like sneaker companies are there i just you know outside of it just seemed like a healthier version of silicon valley you know silicon valley has a vibe and is very white white broski vibe and uh it still felt like like, even though none of this was going on, no coronavirus or, or uh, Black Lives Matter, walking around the city, I just had, like, a feeling. And I was like, oh, I just don't feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. And I had to kind of be honest what what I was feeling. Like, your Black ass should not move here. <laughs> <laughs> it's,
1: um, you know, it's, I hear that. Um, and I get it I can't I can't argue I can't say you're wrong you shouldn't feel that way Um, because I've heard it from from multiple um, black friends who have left um, or who have said like yeah Portland's great but it's too white Um, it's changing Um, I have you know my friend Stephen who I mentioned earlier um, he's black and he's he blows me away with like he these gatherings he has and there'll be like 50 black men in a picture and I'm like where did you find out like where like, did where they all did come, come from, from.
0: <laughs> um and then you realize it's a Wu-Tang Clan and you're like that was a concert <laughs> you you lying you lying, you lying.
1: <laughs> um but you know I remember having coffee with A guy that I'd met through the tech community, he just reached out to me on Slack, and he's like, "You seem cool. I'd love to hear what you're up to. Tell you what I'm doing." I'm like, "Sure." Um, Best dressed black man in Portland, I would say. Um, He showed up, and I was like, "Damn, look at you! Why can't white men dress as well as you?" But um, maybe then I wouldn't be as single as I am. But uh, that's
0: another show. That's how single we are. (laughs) Single in coronavirus. The Uh, last dance, you know. i don't know it's fucked up i deleted all my apps i'm like Uh, oh damn well i don't even want to go to the courtyard let alone a bar but anyway go on yeah
1: no but he was telling me um with the influx of like creative people coming to work for nike coming to adidas he's like we've got all these really um he's like all these black people are are moving to the city because of these jobs and because of these companies and because of the sneaker culture and it's drawing him in, but there's nowhere for us. He's like, there's, there's not a place. And this, this was a couple years ago. So I know that these, these clubs are starting to form and, and spaces specifically for black people. Everyone's awesome. somebody would be like, you want to go that place? I'm like, that is not for us. No, we're not <laughs> going there. It's not for us. Like I had to, fight off somebody who was like we're gonna go to a Juneteenth party and it was like no we're not not for us
0: right like, like you, you need to get invited to the cookout absolutely like, like you
1: go watch just stay home and watch Netflix movies about black history go watch 13 um but uh what was I saying? My tangents. Oh, yeah. No, no, no like spaces, he was like saying,
0: black spaces, white spaces. Yeah, black
1: spaces, white spaces. And he's like, we just don't have spaces. And he's like, my wife and I are talking about leaving. Um, you know, some friends of mine left a couple months ago. And so it's just like, it's just like the culture in a company um, where you can hire them. But if you can't retain them because it's not a space... Um, for, for whoever that is, be it a woman, be it a black person. Um, if you're not creating, if you're not already a space for them, why are they going to stay? They're not, they're going to leave and they're going to go move to Atlanta or Chicago or, or LA, um, somewhere where they can walk down the street and not feel what you felt here in Portland. Um, and there's no amount of living here that's going to erase that. It's going to be finding your people and finding your space, um, and yeah. so you know we what have it to... is?
0: You know what that feeling is? It's like like you and I are mad cool, and we can go and like have like our cool craft coffee and shit, and like talk shit all day. <laughs> like I think that you and I would just like eat and just talk shit oh, all day, whatever. A hundred percent. Just laugh like all day. When but... COVID
1: is over, we are doing that. <laughs> Whether you come here or I come there, we are spending days drinking craft cocktails and coffee and talking shit exactly. anyway you were saying
0: yeah so <laughs> like I know that that is possible I've always had different kinds of friends always been in diverse place I've lived on the south side of Chicago I've lived on the north side like I've lived in the burbs like I understand all those type of spaces um you know whatever all along the Um, income spectrum you know all of that and so the thing is it's not so much like you and your peers and people like my age or even younger even though i think antifa is infused with a lot of young (laughs) you know uh white fresh baby racist um by the way their uniforms comprise of blood red and black bandanas again back to the hoods back back to the red just avoid red um, okay um anyway um can I still wear red lipstick you can because I don't wear think I can lipstick, give that up okay cool. black women can too there was some <laughs> fucked up articles about how black women can't wear red lipstick that's a whole other thing um no. but what we're concerned about the feeling is is like I remember as a kid having like white friends but then maybe I go to their house and like they're family is weird like the different generations mm-hmm. like maybe the parents and the grandparents were from a different time you know so you get concerned about the network of this white person it's like you're cool you're accepting you're normal <laughs> you're a normal human being but what's your crowd like what's your family like like because of what we are learning this year and I've known all along is that there are liberal white people who have a tolerance for their racist white friends or family.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And that's the concerning part. You're, you get concerned about sure they have a racist brother or I, I don't know. These are just, maybe I'm overthinking it, but I, I feel no. like either consciously or subconsciously white black people are afraid of these things when they get like invited to white parties this shit you know
1: <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I have to tell you this story Um, and I think I told you this story but I, I told it to you I think I told it to you backwards well I know whoever I told it to I told it to backwards and I think I told you it might have been my friend Ciara, But um, my mom when she was in college had a boyfriend who she was just madly in love with so crazy about brought him home um, he was black, she thought for sure her mom, you know her parents being world travelers and writers and showing her- to all these different cultures were going to just welcome him with open arms. Um, my grandmother opened the door and saw him and went oh! and fainted <coughs> dead away um and and not a good faint. Not oh, here we are. My daughter has finally brought home a black man. <laughs> um, she was so horrified that she fainted, and that was basically the the um, end of that relationship. Um, I think my my mom's like she she almost had a stroke, um, which my grandmother was also very overweight, so she probably literally did almost have a stroke when she fainted, but. Um, but that is, you know, when I told this story to, to, to I'm going to say you, I'm going to say Sierra. When I told this story to one of my friends, um, uh, recently I had flipped it to where my grandmother was welcoming of this man and brought him into her home and open arms, um, And my mom told me the story the other day, and I was like, oh, that is not how I remembered. Oh, that's so interesting that my brain was so unwilling. My brain was so unwilling to have my grandmother be that person um, and have somebody in my family, my immediate family, be that person that I just completely turned it around. I was like, "Nope, that's not the thing that happened. Um. And that's basically what we've done with Portland. We've been just like, no, it's not like that. So we're just not even going to talk about it. Um, but yeah, my grandma was my grandmother would never in a million years have said she was racist. Um, you know, she she had Persian friends. She had all sorts of all sorts of things. Um, but yeah, she fainted dead away because she was so horrified that my mother was in love with a black man. And my mom says, you know, the other day, she's like, I, she's like, what if that hadn't happened? Like, we probably would have gotten married. What would this all be like now? So she, my mom's also a writer. So she started crafting a whole story for herself. But, um, it's interesting, um, that you, that you say that because you don't know how somebody's family is going to react. My mom didn't know how her own mother would react. Um, so if, if we don't even know how our families are going to react, like, how can you trust that?
0: I mean, there are some people who are extreme. I'm a little bit more, more open because I'm just like that. I'm like, yeah. I got friends that are old and young and all kinds of background. I mean, I, my whole 20s, I partied with um, an English Pakistani girl and a Korean girl, you know, <laughs> in, in black clubs. Like, it, I mean, my, my life is like, bohemian and we have yeah. a lot of mixed kids in our family and things like that is very like different you know but on the other side of that i i think even in chicago it being as integrated as it is the segregation there's lines drawn you know and um you know the cubs win or the bulls win or like a team wins they tear up the whole north side and they do there are, there are cops watching white boys go ham, like ape shit in Wrigleyville when the Cubs win and not doing a damn thing. And if there's more than three black men on the corner, they are automatically arrested under, like, stop and frisk. Or it was called mob action in Chicago. These are actual, like, laws that never apply to, like, white boys or, like, white neighborhoods or communities. So... I was just reading about that recently. Yeah, yeah, you just learn how to, like, kind of maneuver. So when people are like, yeah, we're having a barbecue. Come over. You're like, okay, you start weighing all the (laughs) fit in your mind. Like, what do I do if grandma's racist? What do I do if the uncle says some, you you know, because I was a hostess, and even, like, these, like, older corporate married white men would say, like, Racially insensitive things about like my body, you know, and it was just like another layer of to sexism. Like, of course they're gonna hit on the hostess. That's that's how it goes. And yeah, you expect that. And then it's like this whole thing about like my ass being a bubble and all this other. You know, I'm an athlete. I know how to jump real high and run real fast. All this stuff, <laughs> and I'm like, and, and you just you deal with that all day, and it's such a normal cadence of socializing for them Mm -hmm. and when you go home you just like you just exhausted you're like I just I don't want to go to nobody's barbecue I don't want to go to nobody's house I just want to chill at home I'm safe you feel like it's literally like home safe like lock the door I get to watch let me watch insecure (laughs) like like, let me just do like (laughs) something that feels good and soothing to my identity and my soul because it's 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 rough dealing sometimes but even people who think they're liberal all, all day long for, like, think they're, like, I don't know, they're, like, black spurts, like, experts on black culture or whatever. Like, even them are, like, calm down. Like, you are still white. You don't know what it's like to be black. Like, relax. Um, so I appreciate, I appreciate you sharing all of that because I've always had this, like, um admiration for Portland and like it being so clean and cool and I'm like man this, it reminds me of like a um, more intelligent LA like a, yeah. a, a better red LA right like LA has got its plastic side but like if it didn't have its plastic side it has all the other stuff too like artisanal craft beer and all that kind of shit. And that's what I really, really loved about it is like, wow, I could be in the park reading my book and I won't have to have on, you know, like a full face of makeup, you know, in Portland. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Yeah. A lot of pressure here to just be a six, even though I'm a 10 in Chicago here, I'm like a four. Um, But um, I appreciate all of that. What do you see? I mean, now they're saying that they're going to take this model of the police state to Chicago, which is not gonna go well because Chicago's a gangster town. Yeah. And they get Chicago people shoot back. So I'm I'm very curious how Trump thinks this is all gonna go down in Chicago because it's gonna be it's not gonna be pregnant moms locked in arms. They're gonna be it's gonna be <laughs> they're gonna shoot back.
1: It blows me away that he went to Chicago next. I mean how Going from Portland to Chicago, I mean, I guess that's really testing out what you have in all your markets. Um, I think so. I think. um, I think that once, so I think the upside. Not that I want this happening in the other city, because Nicole, it is it is terrifying. It's it's surreal. It's like. You know, watching these live feeds, and you can—you literally feel like you're watching a, a sci-fi movie. Um, and then you see, oh, I know that building. Oh, I used to hang out on that corner. Um, oh, hey, there's a the coffee shop. Um, and it's—it's not—it's not a normal existence. It's terrifying. Um, and it's—it's it's terrifying on a level of um, none of us have been hit. Have been here before um and we might have grandparents or great-grandparents that that were in the holocaust and and they see it for what it is Um, but the rest of us we have we have no coping skills for this kind of thing like we don't and this we don't know how this story ends because we've never been here before um and we're suddenly like oh okay but i think that him choosing portland was a safety net is my guess. And that like Portland's not real, you know, the people there are going to be pishovers. It's a bunch of liberals. We'll get in, we'll get out. We'll show our dominance. Um, people aren't going to really care because it's a bunch of liberals. Um, and obviously he's, he, he's been very wrong on that, but I do think that, you know, Portland is a little Portland is Portlandia. Um, Portland's a little bit removed from, from real if, um, and so I think when it happens in a city like Chicago, it's going to become a lot more real on a lot of fronts for a greater amount of people, a greater majority of people are going to be like, oh, holy shit. Okay. This is a thing now. Like, it's not just in that liberal city over on the West coast that has a TV show named after it. This is actually a thing that's going to start happening across the country. We have to do something. And people are warning. Like there's people all across the country ringing that that warning bell of like, you need to pay attention to what's happening in Portland right now because this is coming for you. Like. They're the yeah, victims right now. You're the next
0: victim. Being under, they were saying just being underreported that some mm-hmm. of some of the things oh, that are happening.
1: I had absolutely, absolutely, um, uh, and in a way that I had a really long instant Instagram message exchange with a with a late twenties, early something, you know, mom of three. Um, who lives in Houston, and she's, um, she is my, I call her my niece, but she's, um, she's my best friend's niece. So I grew up with her. And she was asking me all these questions. And she's like, well, it seems like Antifa is a real problem. So I educated her on like what Antifa actually is. And, you know, and then I said something about Proud Boys. And she was like, who are the Proud Boys? So educated her a little bit on the Proud Boys. And then she went to Wikipedia to do all her research um but I sent her she's like I don't agree with protests um I understand that they should happen but they shouldn't be looting and writing in our cities and breaking windows and doing all these things and I was like and so I sent her a video an Instagram video of the moms the wall of moms um from the second I second second night when there were probably 500 moms and they were in a park singing um hands up please don't shoot me to the tune of a lullaby and it literally was just this very calming like hands up please don't shoot me and this sea of sea of women and yellow t-shirts and so moms are coming out like they're coming out they're yellow they're like we're moms we're here um but i sent it to her and i said i you're not going to, like, I would bet money that you are not going to see this in the news where you live, but this is what our protests look like on a nightly basis. Yes, we have some one-offs who burn shit down, and they throw holes. you know, they bang holes in windows, and they start fires, but this is what a protest looked like last night, and they got tear gassed. Like the moms literally were standing there, hands up, chanting like
0: this is like feds. Well, well, see, get that's out what I mean. and they got tear gassed. Well that's what I mean. How nationalist can you be? Or even let's say, even if you are white power, these are white people getting hurt. So if you're like if you're you know, your justification is like, oh it's white power, it's like, well, He's hurting white people
1: too. It's just the whole thing. It's, it's maddening. It's maddening looking at people. Um, you know, I'm, I'm keep referring to Twitter and Instagram. Um, is I, there's a lot of really good information on Twitter about what's happening here in Portland and people talking about it across the country better than anything that's out in the news stations um, being broadcast. But, um, Ah, oh, fuck. What was I saying?
0: No, that's uh, why we're here. Not, about the underreporting and about what it's yeah, actually yeah. like there. What because, it's actually like. Yeah.
1: Um. Because what's being... You know, there was an, a Navy veteran who had a... Tried to have a peaceful conversation with the, again, Border Patrol guys who were not trained... So, uh, not only do we have feds here, we don't have federal, we don't have feds who are trained in riots or trained in um, how to control crowds. They're literally border patrol. They are being filmed with their hands on the trigger. Like, Nicole, I'm so terrified that one of them is gonna like trip and accidentally shoot someone. And that is the end. Like, we are in a civil war at that point in time. Militia is going to come out. Because all people are seeing who aren't protesting or don't have friends who are sharing information um, or aren't being willing to listen and ask questions is it's violent. It's writers, you know, it's writers, it's extremists. um, And that's... And that's not what it is. You know, people are like, well, of course the feds are going to come in. They should be here. Like, we've got to call the violence in our city. And it's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, what fucking violence? Did somebody key your car yesterday? Like, are you kidding me? Like, have you been to a protest? Have you stood down there? I'll go with you. You want to go to a protest tomorrow? Let's go. Um, But it's people who are simply listening to the narrative that's being shared by fox news by trump by weird ass websites
0: um or weird ass podcasts like this
1: (laughs) but it's you know uh, the thing that's that's making this last longer is that people aren't critical thinkers you know unless you were raised to be a critical thinker Um, unless you've traveled, unless you've gone to a liberal high school, unless your parents made sure that you were a critical thinker, um, you know, if you were raised in religion, which a lot of Republicans are, it's just a fact. um, You've been told how to think and how to believe and who to listen to and to listen to people in authority who are telling you how things are and not to question it. And that is where we are today is not enough people questioning what they're authority figures are telling them and it's being and that's why things are the way they are and being under broadcast because somebody is saying no we're not going to report that story we're going to report this story
0: i know we don't even have control It's, it's a messed up time because there's so much disinformation because the internet just opened the floodgates so then you have these networks and then you have people like me saying their piece and everyone is chiming in and really the the media that's the wealthiest right has the most saturation is the one that's going to be listened to the most I think we all know that a certain type of person listens to Fox and oh, Absolutely. <clears throat> um, but um I am nervous like you for this going to Chicago uh you better not be going out there protesting. You better stay yeah. home. Because, <laughs> I like, even here, you have to be prepared. You have to have, like, your kids and medical. And you got to have money to get bailed out. And you, you got to have, like, your tribe with you. You know, like, it's it's a, it's a whole, yeah. whole plan you have to have around protesting, which is why I don't... Most of my people are in Chicago. That are The ones that are going to bail me out, for real, are in Chicago. And so, you know, like, my dad, who's a vet, is going to come. He's, he's going to be armed. So... I just really hope that things don't go south in Chicago and I hope that things get better there. And God November can't come fast enough. Seriously. Right? I
1: got a ballot today. Um I don't know Oh in, in the, the mail. mail. I can't imagine it's a ballot for November, so I don't I don't know what I'm voting on, which makes me sound very uninformed, but I'm I I'm just like, Oh, is it almost November? <laughs> Do we almost get to vote? i i just don't even want i i'm also terrified like i can't wait to vote but i'm also terrified of the election i mean he's already
0: yeah we also we we need more time to change yeah minds i think like we need every single convert we could get that that moves over from the side. absolutely
1: um have you seen any of the lincoln project videos
0: no, but I'm going to look that up. I'm writing it down with my. Hopefully, I'm not recording all these notes <laughs> that I'm taking up. I'm, I'm learning so much from oh. you. But our lovely um, platform anchor is probably going to cut us off in two minutes or a minute. So I unfortunately have to say my goodbyes just on the show. Not forever. I'll probably text you 30 times tonight after this, after this
1: <laughs> show. But Please do. I love your texts.
0: um Um, i know we text all the time and then we pass information positive accurate information on instagram and i just love it i love and i've never gotten a chance to hug tammy so my goal in 2021 is to somehow link up with tammy and actually hug her and thank her for her friendship and being a true supporter and ally and just critical thinker and all of that um But thank you for filling me in on what's happening for real in PDX in Portland. And I appreciate you being on the show.
1: Thank you so much for having me. And I like your goal for 2021. I think it's a
0: great one. And um,
1: you're going to reach it.
0: Yay. And guys, vote for the right person. Don't play around with people's lives. And until next time, I always say peace.